Meyer, publisher of Spirit Seeker Magazine. Okay, sorry. Hello and welcome. This is Cindy Meyer, the publisher of Spirit Seeker Magazine that is um, the the entity or the the collection of wonderful beings that come together each and every month uh, for 19 years to bring this magazine to you. Um, The magazine is... It was founded with the principle uh, and the vision of helping people connect with their inner spirit, find different ways through art, music, literature, um, spirituality, etc., health and wellness, to um, to make the world a better place and um, and to find what what works for them to inspire them. So that's where Spirit Seeker started. It was uh, I was actually meditating uh, in Sedona, Arizona, and received the uh, the clear message: start the magazine and have it in place before the child was born. And at that time, I was pregnant, and I said, "Excuse me, more information, please." And there was complete silence. And for those of you who have been to Sedona, I was pretty far up on Bell Rock when this happened. So there is the story of how it began. I uh, created the magazine, and I had it in place um, before the child was born. And for almost 20 years now, my my son turns 19 in December, um, you know, at the time it was a, we were a newsletter. And um, the newsletter you know, was quarterly. So to go from a quarterly newsletter to a publication that was read each month uh, was kind of a big assignment. So we've expanded and gone on since then. We started in St. Louis uh, as a magazine. Then in 1998, we went online as an online publication. And then uh, after that, what did we do after that? We expanded into Kansas City. We then... um, expanded into Chicago, and Kansas City was 2006. Chicago, I think, was 2009, um, and it has just, you know, been been ever since. So you can find us in the Midwest, anywhere in the Whole Foods stores, and, you know, over 250 locations Chicago, 200 locations St. Louis, and around 100 in Kansas City. But we've been online, um, as I said, from the beginning. Okay, so that is enough of Spirit Seekers' announcements. So tonight, it is my divine pleasure to interview two different authors who have uh, books that are just coming out and uh, in time for the holiday season. So uh, <clears throat> we are going to be hearing from, uh, from both of them. We have changed the order just a little bit. We, I am going to be interviewing uh, Diana Cates Dunn first, and then I will be uh, following with George Wilkins. And the beautiful part about uh, these books is that I don't think they could have been timed uh, more appropriately. Um, you know, with everything that's happening, you know, without going into it with our recent election, uh, a lot of children are looking for guidance. A lot of adults are looking for guidance. And um, and so what we are finding, or what I found when I read both of these books is I thought, my goodness, you know, um, this could not be a better time for them uh, to be uh, to be coming out. So um, with that, I'm now going to bring my first guest on, Diana Kate Dunn. She is the author of The Truths of Tula. She has quite a rich uh, and diverse um, background. She um, 
is an artist, but she's uh, now, you know, not just now, but she's an, uh, an author, and I'll let her tell us about that. And in her book, The Truths of Tula, she starts working with Tula, who becomes her muse, and um, I'm going to let her tell you just a little bit about that. So, Diana, welcome to the call, and um, I just think your book is beautiful. The the paintings that were inspired, um, the but the words, I mean, I just thank you. Oh, well, thank you. It's nice to be on, Cindy. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Okay. Well, I would just like to start with, um, you know, before we go into the book, just can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and, and how you came to write this book? Sure. Um, first of all, I, um, I'm a woman of a certain age. We won't go into what age that is, but it's a lifelong experience that uh, I bring to this book. I uh, actually started, I have a degree in theater. I have done interior design for many years. I ran a bed and breakfast for many years. I worked in corporate America for many years. And it was my stint in corporate America that really almost killed me because I had had to stifle, to use that good old word, Um, my creativity. And while working for the corporate world, I became very ill. And the illness was actually, if you will, almost not psychosomatic because it was very real, but it was caused because I was so unhappy and my, my true calling was not being utilized, my artistic being. And so through that horrific period of both physical and, if you will, mental illness, because I was so depressed, uh, I came to my senses, and I start, went back to my art. I always wanted to be an artist, and so I started practicing and doing, and here it is 20 years later, and I couldn't be happier or healthier because of it. Well, and I love how uh, your book shares your story along with um, you know, this, this relationship with Tula. And uh, when you were talking about I've lived in beautiful high-rises, I've lived in, um, you know, so many mm-hmm. different places, you know, a room in someone's house. And, you know, and I just, I loved how you brought it back to, and then I realized, you know, basically that this, the simpler it is, the better. It is. Uh, the more complex we make our lives with things, everything we bring into our life, into our home, requires care, requires time, requires upkeep. And so I have learned that by keeping it simple, by keeping uh, things uh, of quality and yet keeping it simple, my life is so much easier. Uh, I'm a big supporter of the small house movement. I have myself have downsized from a home that was nearly 7,000 square feet, which is obscene, uh, to a home that's well under a thousand feet, and my son lives with me still, so it's wonderful, it's delightful, and so again, small is uh, small is best for for all of us, I think. You know, there was just a friend of mine um, who posted about the small house movement, and like um, for forty thousand dollars, these homes were built in a row, and then they built one fifteen hundred square foot communal uh, space where they could, 
you know, all come together. And they said initially Mm -hmm. they thought about, you know, building one house for everyone, and then they realized that everyone needed their sacred space. And um, I just laughed when I saw it because the friend who shared it once lived in in San Diego, uh, and there were like 10 to 12 you know, beautiful million-dollar homes all along the way, and two of my friends lived there, and so they were laughing, saying, "I wish we could do this again, <laughs> you know, like in a in a small house way, yeah. you know, because in neither one of them lived there way. anymore." Exactly, yeah. exactly, and and uh, you know, I think that also that wisdom comes with uh, a bit of maturity, a bit of age, because during our thirties, our twenties, thirties, we're in that acquisition period, and we we need to have for some reason, whatever, new clothes, new cars, new houses. And then suddenly you hit your 50s and you say, oh, I have to take care of all of this. I don't want to. I have better things to do. Right. Well, and you have grown up um, in the West, you know, from, you know, growing up in yes. Utah with, with space. And, uh, you know, this book is so beautiful how you bring in nature, you bring in, um, you know, traveling and how to expand the mind, you bring in reading and, you know, any parent reading this to a child um, or, you know, I have to tell you, I'm an adult. And I read it and thought, I want to give this to a few people to remember. You know, we, we, we just forget, like you were talking about. And, um, but, but, you know, let's hear just a little bit about um, the journey with playing piano, dance, theater, and, you know, and then, you know, coming back right. to the creativity later. Well, I had a wonderful uh, mother and uh, my father, but my mother was probably more instrumental uh, in my upbringing in that uh, my father was military and on the road a lot. But my mother, it, it, it makes me laugh when I think of it now because she made sure that she had four daughters. I was the youngest of the four, and all of us had music and dance and theater in our lives. She had season tickets to the the Utah Symphony. She she made us get out there and just appreciate the arts. And she came from a, a creative family. Her father was a musician. And yet when it came time for me to go to college, she absolutely panicked that I wanted to go to get a theater degree. And I actually got a theater scholarship. And she really couldn't stop me at that point because I was paying my own way through school. But she was horrified because she said, you'll starve. You'll never make a living as, you know, being a creative. And I have to laugh now as I look back and I thought, well, Mom, if you thought that, why weren't you taking me to, you know, courses on accounting? Why weren't you taking me to (laughs) instead of all of the arts that she knew? Arts are what make life worth living. And so I I did. I got a theater arts degree, though I – toyed with doing music. Uh, I had always been a visual artist from the time I fell out of the womb. But when the theater department of the university there wanted to pay my way through school, I said, sure. <laughs> and that's how it all began. And uh, and having a liberal arts degree it was never uh, a hindrance. Uh, corporate world, corporate America loves liberal art degree people. They're very versatile they're very good in, uh, well, in my area, I was in customer service and managed customer service units. And they loved us. And so it was never a hindrance. So all I know is that by working in corporate, I didn't get to do fulfill my artistic and creative needs. 
Well, I'm glad you found your way back to your original inspiration. Oh, me too. And it's, <laughs> it is so felt in this book. Um, you've received many awards. Uh, just to mention a few, the Tosca Magazine's 2015, 2015 Colorado Artist of the Year and the Founders right. Award from the Colorado Water Media Society. Um, this has to feel mm-hmm. amazing to be honored in this way and for the work you're doing. It is, and um, my art, actually when uh, Tua came into my life, I was going through a rather struggling period. Did you know 2009 when, when the economic uh, world around us seemed to crash? Artists are sort of like the canaries were in the old coal mines. You know, they're, they're the first to die off when, the, uh, when economic uh, things go south. And so my, my career, I had been doing quite well uh, with my art. And within a period of three to four months, all of my galleries that represented me, five to be exact, closed. And the main gallery where I was working here in Colorado and had my studio also closed. And then I had some personal things come into my life that were pretty horrific. And it was, it was my own personal hell, to be blunt. <laughs> And so when you get knocked low like that, and I, I, I just didn't know what to do. I was actually forced to go back into corporate America once again and get a, a nine-to-five job just to, to keep a roof over my head during that time. But that, the same illness almost started to come back on me because, again, after three years, I was just starving to do my art. So I finally took the risk and said I can either die here on the job miserably or I can starve to death doing my art and loving it. You know, either way, <laughs> I'd rather die trying than to die of someone else's uh, uh, disappreciation or unappreciative uh, workplace. So I did start my art again, and in that time, I was, I'm known for abstracts. I have my, most of those awards you see are for my abstract paintings. And uh, I was struggling with an abstract I was doing. And I work with a group of professional artists every month and we critique each other's work. So I took this abstract I was struggling with and I took it to them and I set it up in front of the group and I said, I'm really, I'm stuck on this one. And almost a chorus of voices said, well, Diana, do you see the woman in the painting? And, of course, I said, what woman? And I had to get back with them. And they pointed this, this form out that was coming out. And I said, well, that's interesting. And I left them the uh, critique session. I went home, and I began to play with the painting. And I said, oh, what the hey, let's just go with this. This is something totally different for me. We'll bring this form out. Well, that form turned into Tula. And... She named herself very quickly. She became a voice in my head that I could not stop listening to. And she inspired, over the next two years, 24 paintings. And 20 of those paintings are in the book. And what was interesting is every time she inspired a painting, she also gave me uh, a short, almost, if you will, almost a, a poem or a little quote about the painting that was important for me. And so uh, when I began to share again all these paintings with my fellow uh, artists at the critique group, 
voices in the back began to say, you know, you might want to consider doing a book. And that sort of stopped me in my tracks because I'm an artist. I'm, I didn't consider myself an author per se. And more and more voices kept coming. More and more people kept appearing in my life who would say, well, you need to look at doing a book of that. She's really marvelous. She's so colorful and she has so much to say. And so uh, I, have you ever been online and you know those uh, uh, sites where you can take your photographs and publish your own books or, or your own photographic memoirs, if you please? Do you know what I'm yes. talking about? Like yes, the, my, yes, my daughter okay. did one when, um, from a trip that we went on to Morocco and Spain. And I had not, you know, I yes. said, how did you do that? And, you know, it's beautiful. Yes, I know exactly what yeah, you're they referencing. Are. They're yeah. wonderful. So I have been given a gift certificate by uh, one of these online groups. And I said, oh, okay, I'll go ahead and I'll just put together a little kind of, it was a very small, probably measured five by seven little book. And it had the beginnings of the Tula paintings and some of her words in it. And so I had that printed off. And then I have to say it looked quite nice. It really did. I was pleased with it. Took that to Critique Group. And one of the gals, her name is Julie McMinn Evans, grabbed the book and said, this is fabulous. You've got to publish. You've got to really write the book sincerely. And she said, I know someone you should talk to. And I said, oh, okay. Again, I mean, I'm, I'm out not seriously thinking about this. It seems surreal, actually. And uh, the person she had me meet was Karen Stooth, who, when she saw the little five-by-seven book, she loved what she saw, the kernel of uh, Tula, if you will, in that book. And she started me on the path and has helped and encouraged me and nurtured me along this whole path to write The Truths of Tula, a muse and her artist. Um, so it's, it's just been, ever since that moment when Julie introduced me to Karen, it, I have not been the instigator. I have been on a journey that I've been taken on, it, and it's been fabulous. Karen has that way with people. <laughs> she, she does, you know, do. She does, yes. do. Because she, as I say, I even tell in saying the book that she made the impossible to me possible. Right. I couldn't see right. how it could be done. And yet she opened the door and said, well, this is how we're going to do it. And, of course, my mouth was open and my lips were flapping with nothing coming out going ah, la, 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 la. okay <laughs> just a, a beautiful story of how this book came to be and you know so so listeners if you're just joining us you are hearing the wonderful artist and author uh diana kate's done her her new book is just coming out the truths of tula amuse and her artist and um we are hearing how this book came to be and uh the, where we're going to go next is how has Tula impacted you? Um, because you know oh, it's a dance between God. the two oh, of you. It's life changing. <laughs> it yeah. it is. Uh, when she first began to appear, you know, again, I've always said that truly, I can be so oblivious to that which is obvious. <laughs> I don't know why, but I can I can miss the most obvious things in my life. But after a few few paintings, I began to say, 
people would ask me, well, what's your inspiration? Who is Tula? And I said, well, you know, she named herself. And, and Karen even said, well, what's the origin of the name? And I said, I don't know. I'll look it up. And it turns out the name Tula, now I, her name is spelled T-U-L-A, and in certain cultures it's spelled T-U-L-L-A, and others have maybe an I in there. But many, many cultures have the name Tula, from Russia to Mexico. Of course, there's even a, a city in Mexico called Tula. But the definition that caught my eye was the one that came out of Norway, I am half Norwegian. My mother was Norwegian. And in Norwegian, Tula, spelled T-U-I-L-A, means little woman. Interestingly enough, now I am a six foot tall. I look so Nordic. It's, you know, it's, I'm blonde. Uh, I'm uh, I'm a force to be reckoned with, you know, physically. Yes. But my... My maternal grandmother, my mother's mother, was four foot eleven, and this tiny, diminutive, petite thing with uh, quite dark hair. And it finally, after four paintings, I looked at Tula and I realized that the hairdo Tula has is the same hairdo that my grandmother wears in a beautiful, beautiful portrait I have of her. Probably from taken about 1915, just as she and my grandfather were immigrating from Norway to the U.S. And it's a gorgeous portrait. But, you know, here it is. Obviously, I have the, the, that portrait hanging in my home. But it took me four paintings to catch that I was actually probably taking that hairdo and reusing uh, it on my tula. And... Along that line, I, again, the spirits of, I come from a family of tremendously wonderful, interesting, strong women. And in that period of time from 2009 through 2012 or so, when life was so difficult, uh, rather bleak and very depressing, I, I know that those women who have gone on before me in my family spoke to me. My mother passed away when I was 27 years old. And we won't say how many years ago that was, but it's been a while. And uh, I hear her voice. And I do believe that she and my grandmother have stepped forth, uh, come forward somehow through my work to support me and guide me. I totally understand. Yeah. Totally understand. Uh, and so I'm I'm thrilled. I just I love Tula. I continue to listen to her. I have a new Tula painting on the easel as we speak. I'm so excited to go forward with her. It's marvelous. Wow. <clears throat> and go by ahead. the way, the book, you, you you mentioned about uh, reading it to your children. It was interesting because I was I I do a lot of um, uh, commerce and. Uh, what do you want to say? I use Facebook for letting people know about my artwork and what I'm doing. And so I've gotten a lot of support through my Facebook fans. And one of them, uh, a gentleman from back east, actually emailed me and said, oh, I can't wait to get Tula to read her to my two young granddaughters. And I said, well, that's marvelous. 
they, I'm sure they will enjoy her as assuming they're, I would think, above seven or eight. And he said, oh, you mean it's not a children's book? And I said, no, no, not really. It's a book for me that was written to encourage and support and enable people who have been told, no, they can't, for whatever reason. No, you can't do that because you're, uh, you're a woman. No, you can't be a, uh, a nurse because you're a man. No, you can't do that because you're a Muslim. All those no's that were told to us because of some condition, because of some fate of birth, whether we're male or female or what religious sect we're born into, we, don't, we need to stop listening to that and go forward and say, I know who I am, I know what I need to do, and none of those things should, should be in our way and get inside our heads and foul us up. <laughs> you know, I, we all know what's happened in all of our lives in the last week and, you know, the months yes, preceding it, do. months preceding it. And, um, and you know, it's, it's, it's hard for some of the younger people to realize that many of us walking on planet Earth now remember when our uh, mothers, grandmothers, whatever, uh, could not hold, have a bank account, could not have a credit card, That's in their right. name, could, not, That's could right. not vote. I mean, it's yes. not that long ago. No, it's not. not. And those those same younger women that I've worked with take a lot of things for granted, and yet you and I probably recognize that the change that has occurred is still pretty much only skin deep. It has we have work really, to do. <laughs> we have work to do. And... Uh, so I just I, I go forward with that. I know I have. I'm blessed with a large family of uh, many nieces and grandnieces and even great grandnieces now, unbelievably. Uh, and I'm just hoping that as they move through their lives, they will get the support and not be limited and not have barriers put up to them. That's I would like, with your permission, Diana, just to, to read just a couple of um, couple of the pages, oh, you know, um, if you don't mind. <laughs> okay, so oh, not um, at one all. Of, okay, one is called um, each each uh, each page. Uh, the right hand side is a beautiful painting um, by Diana, and then on the left is a a saying and then a short saying, and then uh, a reflection. So Tula meditates. I love this one. Tula finds balance and inner stillness in quiet meditation. Deep breaths combined with the absence of thought bring an inner peace that defies reason or season. And then the saying, Tula believes that strength and direction come from within. There's another one in here that I especially loved with... um, Going, going to bed at night and having the peace, peaceful night. Tula knows the golden ratio applies to many things in life. It provides the delicate balance between the energy of day and a night filled with peace. Tula knows that in order to thrive, life requires a finely tuned balance. I could go on and on. You know, there's the the one, uh, Tula's opening night, talking about, you know, bringing in the expression of art. There is uh, Tula greets the bees, okay. Um, Tula and Sven Tango, that that one is just beautiful. I mean, 
that will win an award at some point. Um, Tula walks with Ginny <laughs> talking about, you know, the, the mule who has become her friend and says spending time with animals provides Tula a connection to all life. I mean, it's a beautiful book, Diana. And, you know, oh, it, thank it, you. it's, yeah, it's, and, you know, women right now are searching. And I think that this book is a reminder, you know, of, um, of the beautiful part of getting to know who you are and making a difference. I agree. And, I, again, I have been really pleased with the response. Uh, you know, I've only had the book in my hand, literally, from the printers, just a little over a week. And it has uh, gone over very, very, very well. And I'm getting today, I've received email after email from people who had supported the book and had received their copies. And uh, it's wonderful to know that not only are the women receiving it well, but the men are receiving it well. And I, I just am thrilled at that. I'm thrilled with that. Right. Uh, well, you were, you were teaching... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, so go ahead. What, what did the gentleman just said? Oh, oh, he said, this is a wonderful book. This, my granddaughters have to have this book. But he was thinking, I mean, he saw the wonder in it, and he wants his granddaughters to have it. So that's pretty amazing. It's beautiful. I, and I love what, with the, the part, Tula sets sail. You know, Tula believes that with travel comes understanding and respect for all. And isn't that the truth? Yes. It's like, you isn't know, when it? we're expanded. Yes, and I, I like how you say travel on the proverbial slow boat to China gets me out of my daily comfort zone and allows me to experience how other people approach life in a way I never would have considered. Seeing 10 cities in just as many days has never appealed to me. I'd much rather have 10 days in just one foreign place in order to absorb just a bit of how life there is truly lived. Yes. Just beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, gosh. I'm blushing on this end of the phone, you know. (laughs) Okay, so, Diana, how can our listeners and the readers of the magazine that, you know, will find their way to you, how can they um, pick, buy a copy of this and get it, you know, sent to them and and the perfect gift for Christmas? How can can this happen? It it is. It is. And the perfect time to buy it is now, and it's through uh, www.satiyama.com. S A T I M A A M A, excuse me, uh, dot com. So again, that's S A T I A M A dot com. Or they okay. can also find the book on Amazon dot com. Okay, so final words from you. I know this is you know we're sharing this hour um, with with yourself and another author of a beautiful children's book coming out. Um, so. Final words for us, Diana. You know, you you have you're 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 one of our wise women here. Is how I consider you a wise woman. So, with just whatever comes to mind, what would you like to share with with us? I would like to share the fact that, as you said, wise women. I think we're going to be called to the forefront in the uh, coming few years. I think that. You know, the Dalai Lama has even said that if the the hope of the world is on the backs of Western women. And I so feel that. And I so feel empowered now to to be a wise woman. You asked me that five years ago, I wouldn't have been. But now I do. 
And I also see the importance of it. So to all the listeners out there, whoever, male or female, let us all use our wisdom. Let us all fall back on our experiences. And with that, let's also remind ourselves of respect. Be respectful of each other. Be respectful of of ourselves. Because I wasn't always treated with respect, and I realized I didn't treat myself with respect for a long time. So respect is the operative word, I think, that I'm going to use going forth in my life. I'm hearing Aretha Franklin singing (laughs) R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Absolutely. Okay, so how do we find you? I'm sorry. I hear I'm clairvoyant, and sometimes I can't explain it, but I'll hear the words to songs, and I'll be like, oh, you know. (laughs) That's how messages are delivered. I wish I could sing it like Aretha could. I wish I could, yes. Okay, so final thing. How do people find you on Facebook so that they can share the link and et cetera? How do they do that? Absolutely. They can I actually have several places on the Facebook, but probably the easiest is just to type in my name, Diana D I A N N A Cates C A T E S Dunn D U N N. And that will bring up all of the good stuff we have and it's all the links to my art and all of the good things in life. Well, not all, but a lot. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking time out and sharing sharing this wonderful book with all of us and, you know, taking time out to be my guest. But, you know, I know that this was a long journey getting this book brought to fruition, and I just want to congratulate you and um, thank you. So thank you for being my guest. Thank you, It's been a blessing to be here. Thank you. Okay. All right. Have a beautiful evening. Okay, so listeners, this is a um, a two uh, two guest show. We're going to bring our second guest on in just a moment, but I just want to take a moment. This is Cindy Meyer, uh, the publisher of Spirit Seeker Magazine and your radio show host. And I just want to mention that we have um, this weekly radio show. We also have an, an email newsletter in addition to the monthly magazine published at spiritseeker.com. The weekly email newsletter lets you know about the different radio shows that are coming up, who the guests are, what, uh, when the magazine is online. Our online magazine is larger than our print magazine and, uh, that's distributed throughout the Midwest. We also do periodic drawings for books, CDs, um, and all of the beautiful things that come arriving uh, to Spirit Seeker's door each and every day. It's, it's just really quite, quite amazing. And so we bless our email newsletter subscribers with um, some of these offerings from uh, the different different uh, authors and musicians and artists. So if you want to be added to our email list, please send an email to info at spiritseeker.com and uh, just ask to be added to the list, and we will do that. Um, and I think that's really the only only thing I want to mention. Okay, so now uh, we are going to bring our second guest on. This um, gentleman is, uh, his name is George Wilkins, and he um, is, a, is an author and has his hands in many different things. Uh, I'll let him tell you about that, but we are going to be uh, discussing his new book. And his new book is called Apollo, the Misguided Missile. And, you know, a subtitle would be Stick Stones and Solutions. Uh, it's all about, you know, why bullying matters to all of us. And especially in light of everything that's going on in the world today, this could not be a more timely uh, book to be released. So, George, are you there? I am, Cindy. 
Okay. Well, How thank you, you so much. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm really good, and uh, thank you for asking. And uh, I I'm delighted to be you know back with the show. I took a three month hiatus, and now that I'm back, I realize how much I missed it. <laughs> so um, it's just a beautiful beautiful way of connecting and bringing people together. So um, so George, tell us just a little bit about yourself and how it came to be that uh, you were bringing us this beautiful children's book at such a timely time in history. Well. Originally, I, I wrote these stories back in oh the 70s and 80s uh, when my children were younger. And uh, I would tell them stories all the time, so I just put them down on paper. And uh, I don't know, about uh, 2013, uh, my better half passed away from cancer. And I just decided it was time, it was time to... Uh, do something different with my life. And so I decided I'd publish the first book, which was Apollo, the Misguided Missile. And uh, Karen uh, from Satyama so graciously uh, walked me through this entire process, and it's been, it's been wonderful. So, I mean, but that's how it started. It started years ago, and, and I, they'd probably be sitting in my desk if I, you know, hadn't decided I needed a change. Well, Karen has that impact on people. <laughs> she pulls the pulls the story out and helps you get it to the big stage, shall we say? Um, exactly. So, right. So, so with this with this book, um, were were there things that happened in your life along the way that kind of? Or, or did you start with the short stories on this topic? Or, I mean, what what prompted this? Because this is a pretty deep book. Well, you know, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and so it was always, uh, you know, the big fish eating the little fish and the little fish eating the tiny fish, and that's the way it was. I mean, bullying was a very common thing where I grew up, and uh, I remember a lot of kids that weren't able to uh, protect themselves, defend themselves, uh, either, you know, emotionally or physically, uh, they... uh, I just remember what it was like uh, and feeling helpless, you know, to help them. And I thought, well, you know, maybe if we could get to the source of the of the problem and, and get to people who are actually the perpetrators of this, you know, and maybe make them second guess, uh, second think, you know, think about what they're doing. And uh, And I thought the book would be ideal for that. Well, and it is. And, um, so, you know, for for the people who are like, what is this book about? Okay, we've mentioned that it's about bullying and um, how to reach that, but it's also about power and domination, which of course is bullying. Um, but just just tell the listeners that, that are saying, what are they talking about? Okay, can you just tell us a little <laughs> bit about about? Uh, I, we now heard what motivated you to 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 write this book, um, but just a little bit more about. Um, parenting that you're I mean obviously you're addressing parents you're addressing children you're addressing you know you know more and more anyone who's listening to the show we've read in the news and everywhere about all the different incidents that are happening with the bullying and you know and just to interject this the president-elect's uh, wife Melania has chosen bullying and cyberbullying as her cause for the next four years. Um, so it's it's front and present in a lot of minds. Um, so I'm just going to let you take it from there and whatever you want to share. 
Well, let me give you a little background on the book itself or, you know, what the story is about. Uh, it's about a, a tribe of four who are, you know, a, a warlike community. And uh, they have a king called King Grump who wants to uh, overtake the world. But there's one village, the village of Bliss, that uh, has a, a wall surrounding it. And he can't get to the people there. So he decides to build a missile. So the missile initially is, is built where it's, its intention is to be destructive. Uh, and that's where the misguided part comes in. And uh, the people from the town find out about this, and they send a, a young hero, young Iggy, to, uh, to the Boer village to talk to, the, uh, to, talk to Apollo, the missile, and, of course, this was all instigated by uh, Grace, uh, one of the uh, young lady who uh, who came up with the idea. Everybody thought, oh, that's ridiculous. Who have heard of talking to a missile? But she came up with the idea, and Iggy said, hey, I think this is a great idea. So he did. He talked to her, and that's, that's where uh, Apollo – so he took this journey to the, the Boer village, and that's where Apollo said, hey, uh, maybe I'm thinking about this all wrong. Maybe there's a better way to do this. And uh, I don't want to give the story away, but, I mean, that's basically what happened. So so Apollo does make a decision on his own on the way to the village when he's, uh, when he's in flight. Right. You know, and it's it's a, it's a beautiful story, and we won't we won't give the ending away. But what I don't what want is to give very, it away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what is very true is that uh, is that it all works out. But this child, this little child, Grace. You know what I loved about the Village of Bliss is they kind of poo pooed her at first. You know they did like oh you know what mm-hmm. is this kid you know, you know what is she talking about? But you know uh, I remember my my uh, my father. Uh, worked with the Apollo mission, you know, the the original space program in the United States. Oh, wow. And uh, oh yeah, I mean I grew up with him working in the white room where, you know, he wasn't allowed to ever discuss his work, but you know, then we'd have we'd have all these photos signed by the astronauts and you know, one year he had he had sake for Christmas and I'm like, "What in the world?" And you know, of course, you know, they were collaborating with uh, the Japanese, but you know, we we were we weren't allowed to ask questions. But um, but I can remember uh, hearing a speaker many years later talking about how there was a, uh, a shuttle, you know, up on the moon, and there was a problem. There was a problem with uh, needing to repair something. And, you know, my dad didn't come home for a few days, you know, because they weren't allowed to leave until a solution came. And, you know, they had great minds all over the world. You know, I wouldn't say the world, but all over the United States working together trying to figure this problem out. And at one point this man left the left and said I'll be back in a little bit and he went to a second grade classroom and he went up to the chalkboard and you know and he said we have a problem and you know I'm I'm hoping you know maybe you can help me so he draws the problem on the board and some child raises their hand and says but what about if you did this 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 which was very simple but no one had thought of it and so you know, when we have a thought that's channeled the highest thought for all concerned, it can come from anywhere. And that's the beautiful part of this book. You know, there's so many um, beautiful parts to this book, I think. You know, but it, I mean, even the village of bliss, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, they didn't know about, you know, all of these terrible things that were happening on the other side of the wall, you know, and, and yet then they heard about it, but they didn't handle it with the usual techniques because they didn't know the usual techniques. 
No, they knew nothing about war. They just knew that, hey, maybe, you know, maybe we could talk to this missile and straighten it out and let it know what, uh, <laughs> what's wrong and what's right. Right. And they came from love and communication and, you know, et cetera. And so, oh, so, so you, you wrote an article that um, came along, you know, uh, with all of the different materials that Karen so kindly sent me. And uh, mm-hmm. she's talking about, you know, the statistics, or no, you were talking about this, the, um, that recent studies show that there are more bullies are more likely to get into frequent in, um, uh, actually, let me backtrack. Let me do this a little bit better. It says, it is well document, documented that children who are the target of bullying, whether in person or in a cyber environment, are at risk for anxiety, loneliness, low self-esteem, depression, physical health issues, alcohol and drug use, poor academic performance, uh, poor social self-confidence, and even suicide. And then um, you segue into the bullies themselves are also impacted. So let's talk just a little bit, you know, about... Um, what the studies show as far as, you know, the the problems with fighting, vandalizing, stealing, smoking, all of this other stuff, and that 60% of those who uh, had bullied had at least one criminal conviction by the age of 24. So this is right. a big problem. Our prisons are overflowing. You know, they're, it's just, it's really a big problem. So whatever you want to share with um, your research, I'm sure, that happened in order to, to put this all together. Well, I- the thing is, it 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 carries on. Uh, bullying doesn't stop at just this one incident. I mean, it it moves forward uh, in everybody's lives. Like I said, the bullies themselves, you know, well, sixty percent of them end up in prison. Uh, it, it's just a it's it's just a no win situation for both sides. And the kids that are bullied, I mean, if they do grow up, you know, in order to have a a complete life it's it's unusual because they're they're so their life is impacted so so greatly by by what's uh, what's done to them when they're young and uh I, you know i i raised four children and uh when my kids would come home one of them would come home if they were crying and you know i'd sit down and talk with them and and it really bothered them and i i talk it through with them so that it didn't you know the uh, the effects didn't last you know, and uh, but you know, it, it, you could you could go ahead and strike back at someone, but that's that's never going to solve anything. You know, it's always better to at least get into their head and say, "Listen, this is what we have to do. This is this isn't going to help you. It's not going to help me." You know, it's always better to to cut it off at at the start. You know, before it becomes uh, a real issue. Right. So, George, when um. What what age group do you feel is the um, the best audience for this book? Well, I think it's really for uh, you know for for kids that are it's going to be read to. It should be like you know three to three to six, three to seven, and then from that point on, uh, you know, self readers can read it up to you know nine years old. I, I suspect that they'd enjoy it. You know, because the story yeah. is 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 a lot deeper than just just you know what about the bullying. I mean, it's there's a lot to it, and I tried oh, to I write agree. it so that I tried to write it so even adults would enjoy reading it to children. 
Well, and you're you're teaching conflict resolution that there are different ways to do this, and and even you know Apollo, you know you know having I mean he was pretty smart Apollo. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, and and he listened, and you know, he he didn't understand, you know, and I think that's what so much of our society is, you know, dealing with right now. People just don't always understand, and with, you know, the way the world is, there's so many false news sites and false information, and you know, we really, excuse me, are um, sorely, oh gosh, uh, encouraged to to go deeper. You know, to just I think to go communication, deeper. Cindy, communication is, is the key to to everything, to our future. You know, if we don't communicate uh, with each other, then there's always going to be misinterpretations of what, you know, this person does or what that person does. I think we just need to make sure everything is clear. Uh, and, and, and that if you have a conflict with someone, you know, it's best to sit down and try to figure out, what exactly, what, what's pushed this person's buttons? What happened here, you know, that they're acting this way? And that's what I always try to do. If I have a, a problem with someone, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll sit down with them and say, hey, you know, what's the problem? What do we need to do here? Right. It's perfect, keeping the dialogue and the, the lines of communication open. And, oh, dialogue you know. is so important. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, it's interesting, um, so many people have gotten away from books, and children's books are growing. Children's, uh, or, or adult, rather, shall we say, adult coloring books are growing. Um, you know, and even Wayne Dyer, you know, some of his last books before, you know, he transitioned were children's books. So what what do you think is happening here? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I see a lot of kids on the you know, spending so much time on the on the internet, and it, that kind of bothers me. But I also see a lot of children reading again, and that that gives me some, you know, encouragement. Uh, it's going to be a brighter future for them. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know why it's become, you know, popular. But I do see it. I see children reading more and more now. I have a grandson uh, that uh, really loves to read. And, and I always feel really good about it. I, it's like, oh, I just, you know, what else do you want? I'll go out and get them some. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I just yeah, wanted, I, I wanted him to put down the computer, you know, put down the, you know, all these electronic toys, and I want him to read. You know, I mean, that's what we did when I was a, when I was a young man. That's what I did is what I read. So. Right. But I don't uh, know. I don't I, know why. I don't know what it is. But I do. I do realize that you're, you're you're right on the ball with this one. Is that kids are reading more than ever now? Right. And I I think that you know like the illustrations in this book are quite beautiful. You know both both of the books tonight. You know that we're we're discussing have illustrators that just did a fabulous job. And you know. Well, that um, was Michelle Rich Williams. Uh, she's a local uh, illustrator. And she did a beautiful job. Yeah, I I'm totally, totally agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, and I think that that is, um, that is part of being present. You know, like I can remember um, going to the library when I was, like, you know, hardly even able to, you know, well, I mean, I obviously had to be taken there, but I was very, very young and had a library card at a very young age. And, 
you know, taking the stacks up, you know, it was before there were limits on how many books you could take at one time. And um, and walking to the bookmobile, you know, it was over a mile away, you know, during the summer when um, when we lived, uh, you know, not so close to the library where I could walk. So we went walked to the bookmobile and carrying stacks of books home. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, it's just part of who, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I've always been an avid reader from the time I was just very little. And I think that, you know, children love the time that is spent where an adult, you know, whether it be their grandmother, their mother, their father, or even a big brother or sister, takes that time to do, you know, to spend that time connection, connecting, you know, and, you know, and even, you know, doing the voices and create, you know, creating the characters, you know, reading and becoming. And it's imagination and it's creativity at its best. And it's a teaching. Oh, I um, I think it's so important. I I really do. I think creativity and imagination, I mean, that's what, that's what gets you started. You know, my, the first book that I really, really enjoyed when I was a child, and I still remember this was uh, Green Eggs and Ham, Dr. Seuss. And it's still one of my all-time favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Those books were so simple and so much fun, you know, and. Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, I know. And you know, it's hard for me right now because I'm uh I'm I went from eight bookshelves just of my own personal books down to four. And there's still some in boxes and I'm like, oh, you know, thinking about, you know, moving all these books and this is not even the children's books. So the children's books, you know, I have three children and um I have four stepchildren and so I I went through with each individual kid, you know, like, okay, here are like, you know, all these books. I want you to pick out your favorites so that they're there for when, you know, I'm a grandmother. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to happen. I was a, a, a later mother. But, you know, but it was hard for them. I could see that they struggled because they had the memory and the imprint of each and every one of those books. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, or, I mean, it, 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 it forms your, it, it really does. It, it, it forms your future. When you're a child and you're reading these books, I mean, it creates the person it helps create the person you you become uh so many books i read i mean i can't even, i had i had boxes and boxes of books when i was a child and i just i just loved reading same here so it I did. Used to it, put, it made me no. no go ahead no no i was going to say i used to put a towel across the bottom of my door and a towel across, up, on, on top of the lamp. I don't know how I didn't catch the place on fire, you know, so that I could read by night. You know, it was before we had flashlights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, you know, to me, I, I don't know, I was always a reader and my family liked to watch TV. And so they thought I was like, um, you know, and they're like, you need to come watch TV with us. And <laughs> I don't really like TV. And so one night a week, I, ha- you know, it was like a, an agreement that I would come watch TV with the family, you know. Um, but the rest of the time I was in my book with room, you know, with books, or my room with books. I said it backwards. But, um, oh, my gosh, we could talk forever about this. But, George, you, you were uh, creating a play for this um, for this book, yes? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a short play for so kids can act this out in school. And, uh, you know, in classroom. And I, I think it'll just be a lot of fun for them. And, uh, you know, we want to keep, you know, the, the main theme intact, in of course, you know, so that they can discuss it. At the end of the book, for instance, I have uh, a discussion page, and it helps kids work through, you know, bullying issues and 
that's the type of play I want. I want something that's going to be actually uh, not just creative for the children, but uh, constructive. Oh, I loved your questions. You know, here are just a couple. Um, Why do you think Apollo was willing to change the mission for which he was built? And another one, do you believe the Boar Kingdom became a happy place to live after the Boar laid down their weapons? And another one, why do you feel the townspeople laughed at Grace's idea to speak with Apollo? You know, I belong to enough book clubs over the years that, you know, you know, they, they give you these little, they give you, you know, most of the time a set of questions, you know, for inquiry and to bring the minds together. And I looked at that and I thought, this is so perfect that it's in there. Most of the time you have to contact the bookstore and the bookstore gets it from the publisher or gets it from the author and it's a little more complicated. You have it right there front and center. I'm like, yes. <laughs> okay, so George. <laughs> I thought, well, I thought we'd include it so that, you know, if, if educators and librarians, they can they can sit down with the children and, you know, explore a little bit. Right. No, I think it's perfect. I looked at that at the end of, you know, when I finished the book and I was like, oh, this is so good. All right. So we are almost out of time. You know, when the when the time comes, blog talk is going, boop, it's gone. So <laughs> where can people find you know, find a copy of the book and what is the social media, anything you want to share with how to find you, anything you want to tell us? Well, I do have, uh, I am on Facebook, of course, uh, uh, G.W. Wilkins. Uh, they can go to that site, but also uh, they can go to the website, uh, gwwilkins.com, and they, or they could go to uh, satiama, S-A-T-I-A-M-A.com, or they can go to Amazon. Okay. Um, what's next for you? Well, I'm working on a book right now. It's called uh, uh, The Mouse Who Thought He Was King. And uh, it's, it's, it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm only about half done with it, and we haven't actually started the illustrations yet. But I'm thinking about an 18-month period. I'll be I'll be putting that one out. So and it's just going to be. I, I think that's going to be uh, kind of being proud of who you are. You know, that's what that's all about, and you know, being the best person that you could be. I think that sounds very very. You know, like a perfect theme and a perfect um, a book for children at this point. And, you know, I just have to tell you, I really enjoyed this book. Um, I, I, you know, please, please thank uh, Michelle Rich Williams for her illustrations. They're they're quite beautiful. And um, well, thank you. Cindy. I just, you know, I, I love this books worth devouring. Story monsters approved. <laughs> we also uh, received the Mom's Choice Award now too. You know the Mom's Choice Award. That's like fabulous. I mean, it deserves it. It's a good book, and you know, and it's just coming out. So who knows what we'll, you know, by the time your next book comes out, we'll we'll hear more awards. Okay, so I just want to thank you, George, for being my guest this evening. And um, listeners, you can find Apollo the Misguided Missile at Satyama.com or um, through Amazon. And uh, you know the. Order it now so that you have it wrapped and ready for the for the you know holiday season. 
and let people know about these books and let people know about this radio uh, show each and every week. So spiritseeker.com to be added to the email list, info at spiritseeker.com. And, you know, George, thank you so much for the work that you're doing, you know, for listening, for persevering and, you know, taking the stories to the next level and bringing us this beautiful book. And I look forward to keeping track of you. Karen will Karen will keep me updated. We love working uh, with Satyama here at Spirit Seeker because we're kindred spirits on every level. So thank you oh, so thank you, much. Cindy. I really appreciate it. Thank you so okay. much for having me. Okay. All right, everyone, go out in the world and make a difference. Thank you so much for listening, and have a blessed day. Okay, good night. Thank you. Good night.